1: Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast, where weekly we explore ideas and insights of marketers that we admire in the higher ed community. My name is Troy Singer, and I'm with my co-host, Bart Kaler. This week, we are continuing our conversation with Julie Baylog, Chief Marketing Officer for the University of Kentucky, and Christine Harper, Associate Vice President of Enrollment Management at the University of Kentucky. Let's jump back into the conversation. Julie and Christine, thanks for continuing the conversation. Now, we know that both of you are big believers in utilizing data to drive segmentation in your messaging and outreach. So, Christine, maybe you can start us off by explaining the trends that you're seeing and utilizing. And I believe you may have a few examples like how you regard or approach undecided students.
2: Sure. Um, Yeah, so... I love data. I think we talked in the first episode about the art and the science of the work that we do. So I love a good graphic and great content, but I love data that drives it. In my role, I look at data weekly, daily. You know, I I take a a slice of the pool each week and really look and dive into our freshmen. I look in our transfer, seeing what trends we have. On a daily basis, I'm checking our numbers, but also looking at Things that I get from Julie's team on open rates, so we can see how some of the communications have been, you know, picked up and received, and how the pool is shaping up. But uh, you know, when I have time, which which is few and far between, I really like to dive in deep. And so, just this winter break, I was diving into a lot of data, looking a lot at our prospect pool down to sophomores and juniors, and then was a really. Uh, Taking a look at our senior prospects, as well as our students that had been admitted or in the process that had applied, and noticed that we had seen a su- substantial uptick in students applying in certain areas and that there was definitely a trend that COVID had impacted and influenced. But one of the areas of growth was our undecided or exploring students. So that does change throughout the cycle and depending upon what institution you're at may go up and down. And for us, it just seemed like it was much larger. And for a university like uh, UK, We have lots of options for students, but how do you help explain that when somebody is coming in? They want the experience, but they're not sure. And so um, over the break, I pinged uh, Julie and Katie and said, you know, I'm seeing some things in the data. I really feel like, you know, this is an opportunity for us to, to convert some of our prospects, share some information, and then for our admitted students that we're exploring, share a little bit about why they should choose UK because they could do um, an undecided major exploring at any university. And so reached out to colleagues in our Stucker Career Center and some of our colleges that also have exploration programs and, and, surfaced some information and said, okay, okay, Katie, here's, here's what I have. Here's information I've surfaced. Now, can you, can you get it into something for our incoming freshmen? and as she typically does takes all of these data points and information that's pulled off websites and reports and and comes up with something great but i think you know being able to respond to what you're seeing in the data is important you know you can have a, a tone and a tenor for the what, you're, what you want for a student From when they're a prospect or even a sophomore and junior, then a prospect in the senior year application and admit and have all of that set together. But if you're not responding to what you're seeing in the data, you're really missing opportunities, opportunities to to help inform, to educate uh, the students about why. I, I do firmly believe that there's an institution out there for any student and that the student success is on the fit, and so how do we help explain and uncover some of these things so they can say, "Oh, well, actually, this does sound like a place where I can see myself being successful." And here are some things they're sharing with me early on in the process. So, so that was just something you know, one one example of something that was data informed through this cycle.
0: I like to say, you know, in, in some of my other previous experiences, I had access to a lot of data, but I was data rich and analysis poor, and. I think the collaboration that Christine and I have is that together we're able to take that data and really make it actionable and use it as a as a as a roadmap of how to really impact change. It doesn't matter how much data you have if you don't know how to look at it, make sense of it, and then turn it into something useful. And I think that's a she leads us very well in that way and and then once once we understand okay, this is what it's telling us, then we know how to work with it and, and make it make it more useful.
3: That's great. I know that when we talked in our pre interview conversation, you were you know. I'm not trying to make commercials here, but you know, you're utilizing some some really sophisticated CRMs and, and a lot of the a lot of the listeners and marketers that are you know listening to this podcast, I mean, they they are probably utilizing either Salesforce or or Slate. I mean, you guys are using both of those. And certainly there's a lot of other CRMs out there. You know, some of the smaller schools might be finding other ones. But I think the important thing that you both just mentioned was that finding and utilizing the data that you can gather from those systems as well as your other analytic systems, whether it's open rates on your mail. Whether it's social media ROIs, maybe it's you know key performance indicators and in, in Google Analytics. There's so many places that we can start to gather the data. But if you know, to, Julie, to your point, if, if you're data rich but you're not analyzing it, you're not doing anything with it, you're not creating that into uh, segmented mar- marketing messages that can move the needle for that particular group. I think that's so important, and I know that even even Christine, I know we had earlier conversations about you know the. The idea of how to segment it either for the first gens or segmenting it for siblings of current students. I mean, there's there's so many different ways to segment that data once you have it and be able to nurture and and massage those messages a little bit better to make them more effective,
2: yeah. we we really have to have our ear to the ground. And so I, in my in my side, I've got that going on, and then Julie has hers also. So where I'm pulling is I'm looking at information that's coming out of a common application of of what are they seeing and what does that mean? And I think that because that's one of the larger sources, again, we're not doing any kind of (laughs) – we have a couple different sources we use, but but they do a nice job of putting out information and as one of the larger application sources – were the first to pick up some things that you're seeing in the national media about FAFSA filing rates being down for seniors and low-income students and and um, first-gen students. And Kentucky, as a state, you know, we have a, a huge commitment to the Commonwealth, and we know that we have a large a, a portion of our population is low income. And so this pandemic has—this isn't surprising, right? There was information in the spring of the senior year which students, if you looked at the population in total, most seniors— we're worried about missing those end-of-the-year events. But when you segmented that data and looked at low-income Pell-eligible students, or looked at students of color, or looked at students that were first-gen, their concerns were very different. Can I afford to go to school? Am I going to graduate? So that's, you know, we talked at the end of the cycle last year with the pandemic with populations of they need a different message because they're feeling something differently. And the same thing now, recently, as we've come to some of that data, you know, Julie and I were looking at it and saying, okay we have an issue with first gen and we have, you know, we are down and and some of the a lot of the activities happening right at the deadline. But we can't wait for the deadline to hit and see where we're going to be. So how are we going to inform some of this? And so. Julie and I talked, and we got a, a big uh, again another broad table. We have our first gen Office of First Gen Initiatives uh, that serves not only incoming students or our prospective students as well as our current students. Members of different colleges, marketing team, and members of the um, enrollment management team, both financial aid and undergraduate admissions, to really talk about how do we target this at different segments in the population. And and Julie's team really, I mean, Katie then started working with partners that could support. So I kind of put the table together, Julie and I put the table together, said, here's the problem, here's the data. And Julie, you want to take it from there as, as we're moving forward and some of the things we're doing?
0: Sure, sure. So what we did is, for instance, we, we've we created an op-ed, a joint op-ed with some of our other universities across the state. And so we're publishing those with other university pres- presidents from our president. We also are creating some social media assets and we are going to push those out. And then working with our, uh, there's a a person on Jane Flanton's staff, Mark Witt, who specializes in um, media pitching. And he's gonna help us by reaching out to small town newspapers, radio stations, and TV stations across the state to really share, listen, we, we need, college is possible for you, but it has to start with filling out your FAFSA. And at the end of the day, this is one of those things where I like to say we're the university for Kentucky, not just the University of Kentucky, because at the end of the day, we just want these students to understand that going to college can be transformational for them. And it, and if they don't come to UK, that's OK. They just need to find the place where they can get that transformational experience. So many of the people in Kentucky, you know, Going to college is is not always as easy for them as it might be in some other states. And so I think we, we both feel pretty passionately about that because we know, I, I'm, I said it in the first episode, I'm an example of that. You know, my father had a sixth grade education and the fact that I was able to go to college and this literally transformed my life, it, to me, it's a mission. And, and I think for a lot of our students, we serve a broad array. But I go back to, you can come here and you can do anything. And we've got the most amazing wraparound services for these students. And we don't, we don't do things for them, but we, we create ways for them to be successful. And, and you know, I, I, I won't belabor this too much, but to me, this is an important distinction. A lot of people like to say they're innovative. And innovation is a good word except for innovation usually can be funded or bought. Apple is innovative because they have a whole lot of money. What you are at UK is we've got ingenuity because with ingenuity, that's what you get when you're smart and you're clever and you look at the resources you have and you figure out how do you make the most of them to be successful. And so I always, I like to make that, that distinction. I think that there's a lot of ingenuity that happens here but, and that probably is a good way to describe the relationship between Christine and me and our teams. It's a lot of ingenuity. It's a lot of roll up your sleeves. It's a lot of get it done. We're not spending a whole lot more money than other people. We're just trying to be really smart about how we do it.
2: Yeah. And, and Julie, I would add that it's that passion too. I mean, we, we really do. And you probably can hear it come through. We're concerned about students across the board. We hope they land somewhere. I think the pandemic has just made some of the more vulnerable populations even more so with internet access, uh, you know, lack of that. I know some students that are in non-traditional instruction in high school and they're working a full-time job and then catching up at night because that's what they need to do right now. And so that ingenuity is really critical. And then the passion, I think that a lot of us bring, because that really, it really does seep through. We, we, are committed to. to, And so, yes, we have growth goals and and we're doing all those things to get that happen. But I too am am somebody who ultimately, like I said, fit is important. And and if you have an impact in helping students find that right choice, sometimes it may not be us, but it may be us later. And and so that authenticity and that ability to try to raise everybody up, you're going to be successful if that's the approach that you take.
3: That's great. And I know I really appreciate what you've talked about with the ingenuity um, because I mean, as, as I mentioned to you, you know, in our, on our previous conversations, a lot of the audience of, of the higher ed marketer is our schools of all sizes. I mean, we've got, you know, schools, the size of UK all the way down to schools that have, you know, 50 or hundred students. And, but I think that the ingenuity, you know, cause I, I can hear people saying, well, boy, it would be great to have slate. It'd be great to have that kind of budget to be able to do that type of thing. But the data that you get, you can ask students about that take in that data and then it's, and then you can start analyzing it. You can start segmenting based on what you're asking people. So it's not the fact that you guys just have all these extra resources. It's the ingenuity of, if I need that data, I need to figure out how to get that data. And sometimes you have to ask for it. So I, I love that. And Julie, I also love the fact that you, know, you kind of talked about the wraparound services with that UK has for these different groups that, that are going to be that mission fit for for the university. And I know Troy, you've got a couple questions about that with, with just kind of what those partnerships with the other departments look like.
1: Yes, they both Julie and Christine talked about the dedication to the Commonwealth. And I wanted to ask a little bit about the community involvement and the partnerships that are with outside agencies. Julie, could you tell everyone a little bit about the partnership that you have with the College of Agriculture and how you're reaching out into the counties and helping out the Commonwealth with that partnership?
0: Sure. Kentucky is one of those states that has many, many counties. We actually have 120 counties. And in each of those 120 counties, the uh, uh, College of Agriculture has an ag extension agent and they are a university employee, and we have great collaboration with them. In a lot of ways, they're often opinion leaders in their communities. And so, for instance, when I was down at UK Healthcare, we partnered with them initially to get population health information out. So, for instance, diabetes um, information or healthy heart information, and so they became a hub that we could use to to push out information, and they they devoured it. They loved it and and shared it. And so we're kind of applying some of that same model here. So one of, and I love that the College of Ag is just game for anything. So Christine had this really good idea last uh, last summer. And, And so it was this idea of adulting 101, where we would teach life skills to high schoolers. And I'll let Christine tell the story, but yeah, we pitched it and boy, did it take off! Yep, yep. <laughs> almost. It was almost too successful. <laughs> yes, um, it was. And it was a quick turnaround. I mean,
2: it, it, the pandemic oh, yeah. had just hit. Right where just we were talking through the spring, we're like, okay, well, you know, if we need to get our you know students in here. What can we do? What could be helpful? And so Julie and I went to to a cafe, our college of ag environmental science, and. And they basically were like, oh, yeah, we're on board. We've got all these extension agents. They're looking for things to do. They've got other things, but this would be great. So put these modules together in this course. And we had over 560-plus students sign up in a very short period of time. You know, uh, uh, it, the marketing was great. The students loved it. Um, cafe came back to us, the College of Ag, and said, hey, can we do it again this year? So when you have a partner that's coming back and saying, this is good, how do we enhance it, you know, and what else could we do? And we've talked about, are there other suites of things that we could offer? Because, you know, that was a pretty small lift. I mean, and, and they're engaged. So we've worked with the dean too this year, um, much like we did previous years with our alumni association to kind of help them be out there. We're now working with all the extension agencies, particularly, we started this before, but it's it was very timely. We started in the fall, and then as we saw the FAFSA filing information, Those extension agents in the counties, particularly at a time where the students are not as easy to see in a high school or, you know, access, they are readily accessible. So we have now already trained our extension officers on admissions and all of that, and we can push out. We are having students that are having challenges with FAFSA and the high school counselors is maybe having trouble connecting with some of these students. If you see them, can you hit this and make sure that, you know, they know there's a resource and point them and you may not have all the answers, but you can point them in the right direction and we'll get them what they need. So those collaborations really are fantastic. And it happens in multiple different ways. Julie, I mean, I remember you calling me on a Saturday morning, maybe, and said, hey, we're going to do a <laughs> vaccination clinic in about a week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So what, what, what do we, what do we think What, you know, from it, I'm like, well, you know, and we were doing all the educators, right. And we both were like, oh, college of ed. They've got some great, um, continuing education. They've got some great master's programs. They're mostly online. That's the doctoral program I'm in, but it just continues to go from there. As I talk about hitting on all cylinders and Julie just like pitches me in the morning. I'm like, yep, there's something here. What are we going to do?
0: Yeah. And I'm happy to report that the uh, web engagement around the graduate program for the College of Ed and Teachers is up 10%. And I'd like to think that it has something to do with the fact that we activated at our vaccine clinic when we were vaccinating K through 12 educators. So I can't take all the credit, but those are the kinds of moments that you have to be nimble. And that's another word we use a lot. You got to be nimble. And if you kind of already have some of these things in motion, it's easier to... Uh, implement them if if you're not starting from scratch.
3: Yeah, that's wonderful. I I love that idea of all these different things going on with the partnerships, but trying to make sure you're living out the brand, being nimble enough, and and you know going forward with ingenuity, so that you can say, how can we take advantage of we're going to be in the in the community, we're going to be providing you know mobile clinics for vaccines, or we're going to be providing you know uh, ag extension offices. How can we activate that for enrollment? How can we activate that for the, for the, for the good of the community? Because I mean, to your point, Julie, and, 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 you know, Troy and I both are first generation students as well. The idea that if we can impact those first gen students, even if they're you know, fourth graders that are standing in line with their parents for the vaccines or with grandma and grandpa, they're getting an idea and an impression of what UK is all about. They're living out that brand. They're understanding that, oh, wow, I have an opportunity to be a part of this in the future. I just think that's amazing. And I think that, you know, job well done to the both of you to not only serving the community, but also, you know, activating the community as as part of that. So I think that's, I think that's great. Thank you.
0: We, in our I will share this, this is this is new, but this just this past week, because our, our clinic, our vaccine clinic at Kroger Field, this is separate from our mobile clinics that we're taking out. Uh, our, our clinic is doubling in size to the point where we're vaccinating four to 5,000 people a day. It's all volunteer driven and we need more people. So we created very quickly a program called Cats Give Back. And we've invited our students to volunteer to go work at the clinic as registrars, as wayfinders, 2000 students have signed up and that just, you know, I use the phrase when I talk about the university of Kentucky students, we run to not from, they like to be part of the solution. They like to be part of it. And I thought that was a great example. I mean, students just raised their hand and said, yep, I want to be a part of that. Tell me how I can do it.
3: And that's great. And right there is another story that can be packaged and sent to Christine and you know, used as part of the message, which is wonderful. That's great.
2: Yeah. Yep, and Julie's in those meetings, so she helps get the door in. Right, I'm not in enrollment management, going to be in a meeting about vaccinations necessarily, like maybe tangentially. But when we talk about mobile clinics, and I said, hey, we'd love to get out in front of these families. I mean, when you talk about the different areas that we're going to, first gen, you know, access to to healthcare in particular, and and with vulnerable populations is is important. And and to your point of a educating a fourth grader. I mean, we've gone out and done some, some work just to say, Hey, did you know that these healthcare careers are available to you? You may not see a physical therapist in your community, but this is what one does. And for some young child, that may be the, huh, this is something I can do and I can be, and I can, and UK brought it to me. You know, and, and so those are really great things. And and we're pleased because Julie's in that room that she reaches out. And so when the mobile clinics go back for the second shot, they'll prime, come, we're going to have some some FAFSA information sessions. We're going to have information. So if you have students or children um, that, that you'd like that information shared with, or you would like it yourself, we'll have people there poised and ready to go. So it really is, we're very fortunate um, to be set up the way that we are and have such great collaborative efforts going on.
1: That's great. That's great. Troy? As we near the end of the episode, I'd like to ask each of you if you have a relevant idea, trend, or nugget that you could share that others can use right away, what would that be?
0: My nugget would be it would be to understand the journey that, in this particular case, the student is on and to assess that journey because, again, marketing is. Where can I most influence them at the time they're making their decision? So one of the things that Christine's team and I did, we did this right when I first started, we mapped the entire journey. We looked at how are we communicating with them, email, postcard, things like that. And then we assessed and we realized in some areas we were extremely heavy, probably to the point of oversaturating. But then we looked through the rest of the cycle and we realized there are some times that we're probably under communicating. So we we tried to, together, our teams figured out, okay, let's look at this cadence. But then, and another phrase that I like to use a lot is intellectual honesty. We were really intellectually honest with ourselves of, is what we're saying really relevant? Is it authentic? Does it live our brand? Or are we just to see a sameness? And so we spent some time, re, I mean, that was a that was a laborious exercise but it was also an aha moment. And you know what? You can do that if your budget is zero. You can sit down and you can map that journey and understand what are you saying because it's always the right message to the right person at the right time.
1: Thank you. Christine?
2: Yeah, from my perspective, I would say, you know, if you're sitting in my role as a chief enrollment officer, find your chief marketing officer and get really close um, and, and, and connect. I think that it's it's really important to have strong relationships But my big piece is that I think that education and cross-pollination is critically important. So the more that you can share and and cross-pollinate, so having your marketing people in your enrollment management meetings, occasionally last year, I was in the huddle with Julie's team. My understanding of the work that their team is doing I can now share with our IT team that's working on a problem. So Julie doesn't have to be there until we get to a certain level. But by doing that and cross-pollinating and educating everyone, Katie Bennett, who's on on her team, is like, well, you know what? This idea came from this meeting that we had, and and she understands the work we're doing. I understand the work they're doing. And so it really helps you get further faster. And so if there's anything I would say is, is really you got to partner tight, but you also have to make sure that you're providing the information and you're listening and that you're using that to inform the decisions you're making moving forward.
1: Thank you, Christine. And thank you, Julie. Thank you both for your time and being part of our first two-episode experiment. I think Bart would agree that it has gone extremely well. So again, thank you for joining us on the Higher Ed Marketer. And for our commercial the Higher Ed Marketer podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Thing Patented, a marketing execution, printing, and mailing provider of Higher Ed Solutions. On behalf of my partner in creation, Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us.
0: You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.